Dose New York Nick Podcast, Andre Gallagher. I won't lie to you. I didn't see this coming. We talked about trade after trade after trade. We mentioned Alec Burks. Uh, I, I believe we talked about him more than once. Just mentioning he does solve the problem that the Knicks have in that second unit. He does solve it. 100%. And unlike some of the other options we, we ran through them, we talked about how some of the smaller guards weren't, they, they, they were not the answer because you couldn't play them alongside Brunson if you needed to. Alec Burks, you can play alongside Brunson if you need to. Is he a superstar? No. No one needs him to be. Is, no, he's not a superstar. They weren't going to get a superstar at this trade deadline. The only quote-unquote superstar was DeJounte Murray, and he's not a superstar. And he doesn't necessarily cleanly solve that problem of can he play alongside Brunson. There's some question about it, which is what we talked about. There's some question about it, right? I talked about DeRozan being probably the only answer, the only guy who solves that problem completely. Brogdon being a close second or a 1A to that because Brogdon can play uh, next to Brunson as well. But Brogdon didn't get traded. The Rosen didn't get traded. Who is that guy going to be? There was no guy moved that solved that problem. There were only guys that became stopgaps. They were not the perfect solution because they could not play next to Brunson at size have defense, and be a three-level scorer, and can initiate offense. That's Alec Burks. But Bogdanovich, we didn't discuss Bogdanovich. There was a time in the last couple of years, you've heard uh, a lot of reporters mention about Knicks having interest in Bogdanovich, and the price was through the roof. It was through the roof. Teams all around the league were trying to get Bogdanovich, and Detroit was trying to bend people over the barrel for him. The Knicks couldn't afford to pay that much for Bogdanovich because where is he going to play? At the time, it was R.J. Barrett, a small forward, and Josh Hart. And you know Julius Randle's going to play 40 minutes. So where does Bogdanovich play? You don't pay all of that for somebody to back somebody up. You don't. So the, the talk about Bogdanovich faded away, right? Here you have this trade where the price that would have been just for Bogdanovich netted you Alec Burks and Bogdanovich. The Knicks held out to the final hours and got two guys for the price of one guy a year ago. And you say, well, Bogdanovich is still the same problem, right? Well, yes and no. Julius Randle is now out for an undetermined amount of time. And the Knicks knew, we didn't know, the Knicks knew that OG was going to be out for at least another month. So right now, the Knicks do have a spot for Bogdanovich. They do have a spot for Bogdanovich. And going forward, it doesn't matter. Because once the summer comes, Bogdanovich has a team-friendly contract, just like Fournier, that can be moved in the next deal. So, and it's not even fully guaranteed. So, getting Bogdanovich solved the Fournier contract problem where you needed to move Fournier for Fournier's sake, and you also needed to maintain the contract flexibility to get that big trade that you wanted to make for that quote-unquote superstar player or that big Willie player 
that is not right now available. Maybe DeJounte Murray, if, you know, there were talks about him, maybe DeRozan, but DeRozan didn't move and Murray didn't move. And they're not really superstars, neither one of them. So you wanted to maintain the flexibility to go after that guy. Having someone on your roster that you can trade, package, and eat up a lot of the contract of that superstar. But you know what? All those CBA rules kick in this summer. That's why this is masterful for the Knicks. There are going to be a lot of teams that end up having to pay those huge penalties for being above the second apron of the salary cap. And they have to unload guys. And they're going to be teams that cannot afford to keep superstars. Now it's just a question of which star is, are the Knicks are going to get. It's not going to be every guy available. And I, I, the, reason why I, we, the reason why I phrase it that way is because there's a lot of talk. That cat is going to be a guy that Minnesota is trying to move. And there's some, you know, I know I have questions as to whether or not cat is the guy I want the Knicks to get. But be that as it may. This move solved the problem, well, in theory, solved the problem of Julius Randle's injury. All right? It solved the problem of OG and Anobi's injury because you have Burks, who can play uh, small forward and shooting guard, and you have a bona fide scorer to step in to Randle's role. Now, he's not going to be exactly who Randle is. Don't expect that. But here's a guy that could put 20 on the board efficiently, and he can do it from the perimeter, which keeps the offense open, right? And he, you can also post him up on smaller players, and he'll turn around and kill you with a turnaround jump shot. Bogdanovich wasn't on the radar because the Knicks didn't have a spot for him to play. When I think about acquiring players, scorers like Bogdanovich, guys who you know aren't bench players necessarily, I think about closing lineups. I don't think about starting lineups. Can you put your five best players on the floor? And previously, the Knicks, with uh, the idea of getting Bogdanovich for the price that Bogdanovich cost, it felt ridiculous to bring him in for that, for that price. Now it feels perfect to get those two guys in that deal for that price. The Knicks didn't give up any draft picks. I see a lot of people jumping up and down about that. I'm not necessarily jumping up and down about that. The Knicks still have two draft picks in this draft. And this is a weak draft that most people don't want to be in. So to have and the Knicks don't want to draft two players in this draft. They really don't. I'm telling you, they do not. So maybe draft night they can get rid of one of those draft picks. Maybe not. The Knicks don't want to be beholden to two first round uh, scale contracts rookie scale contracts for the next few years with all of this stuff they're trying to do. They're really not. Now, maybe they could draft a guy and they'll move him in one of those trades, but they don't want, they don't really want to keep any rookies, maybe one, but not definitely not two. And I think the Knicks would have much rather, rather trade a pick than trade Grimes. The problem is, you got to match contracts for one. Two, anybody the Knicks brought in, any guard the Knicks brought in, any offensive initiator the Knicks brought in was going to be at the two or the three, the one, two, or the three. Now, when I say the one, you know he's only playing a few minutes behind Jalen Brunson, so he's got to play some two or he's not going to 
is not going to actually move the needle for them. You know, just having a backup point guard, for example, if they got Tyus Jones, as good as Tyus Jones is, just getting Tyus Jones wasn't going to be the great move, a great move for the Knicks because in the playoffs, that guy is not going to play. Jalen Brunson is going to play 40 minutes in the playoffs, right? You're not going to play Jalen Brunson 25 minutes so Tyus Jones can play. So you don't bring in Tyus Jones and say, oh, look at this great acquisition. We got a backup point guard because you don't want to bring in somebody that can't play alongside Brunson. So anybody you play, who's going to play alongside Brunson is going to take minutes away from Grimes. Grimes was already showing that he is ineffective or not confident enough or however you want to say it when he's playing short. So it's an unfortunate situation where he did not distinguish himself enough to stay on the roster as a 15, 20 minute a game guy while the Knicks rock with guys who are playing better. And he has not earned more minutes. So if he was a good offensive initiator, then they wouldn't need to trade for somebody who was a good offensive initiator. But instead, he's an up and down gunner, essentially, when he comes in the game. And you know I've been high on Grimes. You know I'm a big fan of Grimes and all of that stuff. But that's just a that's a fact. If he was able to be that player, if he was able to be more like Alec Burks, then the Knicks wouldn't need Alec Burks. So a lot, of, I know a lot of Knicks fans have bad memories of Alec Burks when it came to his uh, was it, it was his last season it was his last season with the Knicks when he was eating IQ's minutes. I think your bad taste, the bad taste in your mouth over him eating IQ IQ's minutes, and the only reason why they were IQ's minutes was because the Knicks were losing and it was a good time to develop a point guard who you you cock-blocked when he first came. I shouldn't say first came, but his second year by bringing in Kemba and bringing back Derrick Rose. Bringing back Derrick Rose seemed like a necessity. Bringing back Kemba was not. There was no reason to put people in front of Grimes. There was no reason to put people in front of IQ. And I talked about this a million times that was the worst. Those were the worst acquisitions the Knicks made. They were disastrous because IQ struggled playing essentially a third string point guard and backup shooting guard, uh, <laughs> sharing time with a zillion people in the backcourt. And he started the season off poorly, shooting poorly, and he, he, would, he gave Tibbs no reason to put him on the floor. So Alec Burks ended up playing a ton of point guard because Kemba got benched because he was trashed and Derrick Rose got hurt. And he didn't trust IQ because IQ wasn't playing well. He wasn't playing well at all. And a lot of Nick fans just wanted IQ to play. Just play because his analytics were always great even though he wasn't playing great. It was a conundrum. But because the Knicks weren't going anywhere, you probably should have put him out there. But the Knicks still were trying to win. And they rolled Alec Burks out there starting point guard. And he wasn't always great. He was bad a lot of times. He wasn't bad all the time, but he was bad a lot of times. So that those bad memories of Burks in that second season essentially color how people see Burks coming back here. And it shouldn't. Because when Burks didn't have those responsibilities all the time, he was a very solid player for the Knicks. He was a clutch player for the Knicks. He was a good scorer off the bench for them. He was like a utility guy. He could do pretty much anything. And the Knicks were way more dependent on him 
uh, those first two seasons he was here than they should have been. And the Pistons, although they're terrible, were way more dependent on him than they should have been. And he, he's come through for the most part. He's not perfect by any means. They don't need him to be perfect. They have other players. That's why it's great to have him. The thing that he does well is the one thing that they don't necessarily have. And if he doesn't do it well, no problem. We have other guys who can do it too in short spell in short spells. And we know the ball finds you. You know what to do with it. It's one more guy who can put the ball in the basket. One more guy who can run high screen and roll and, and be somewhat competent doing it. He is a he is a perfect acquisition for a team that could not get the perfect long-term solution in this at this trade deadline. He helps them right now for everything that they need to do. Stop looking at the things that he doesn't do well because it's not like you need him to play 40 minutes a night. You just need him to do what he does well for 20 minutes, 25 minutes at best. And you have other guys on the team that can pick up the slack on his bad nights and vice versa. And we talked about, you know, why it wouldn't work if Grimes is still here. I will talk briefly about the fact that the Knicks have traded yet another one of their draft picks, guys that they've developed. Now, I'm going to piss on a narrative I see floating around a lot. Oh, the Knicks can't develop young players. No, if the Knicks couldn't develop young players, they wouldn't have a value to be traded. I'm going to pat myself on the back right now because I said this to a bunch of people. When that Donovan Mitchell trade was being rumored that summer, I said the Knicks' value for their young players is higher than how the league sees them. That in and of itself is not a unique phenomenon. That's something that a lot of teams do. A lot of bad organizations do it sometimes, right? They're overvaluing their own players. But it wasn't that the Knicks were overvaluing their players. They were valuing them properly. It's just the rest of the league had not seen enough of those guys to know what they could do. That was quickly. That was Grimes. And to a lesser extent, Obi. At the time, Obi had more seeming more potential than it. it listen, I'm not going to piss on Obi right now. But at the time, Obi was a younger player and it was seen and he was seen as having more potential at the time than maybe he did at the end of that season, at the end of last season, right? Even though there were a ton of people who, who still see that kind of potential. So the idea of trading IQ and Grimes and R.J. Barrett and or Obi Toppin and five draft picks for Donovan Mitchell, it may seem like it was nothing to you because you thought those players were trash. Well, the Knicks knew that they weren't. The Knicks knew that those guys were going in that trade as salary fillers more than they were going as being valued. And as much as I've been lectured uh, from league folks about the idea that, hey, when you're trading for a guy like Donovan Mitchell, you're basically just giving the team everything you have uh, to get that one guy. I still hold on to the notion, loosely hold on to it, because I don't argue with people who have experience doing something I've never done, but I loosely hold on to the idea that there's some value still attached to some of these guys. You, and in that particular deal, there was no value being attached to those guys. Not enough, at least, because they hadn't accomplished anything. And IQ was coming off a poor season. 
You people keep bringing up that trade. Well, you didn't want to trade these guys for Donovan Mitchell, but you traded them anyway. Do you see how many players the Knicks got for those same guys and they still have not traded away five draft picks? Do you get that? Do you get that? All of those guys were traded and a zillion more players have been brought in. Not just one. Not just one guy. Not just one guy who the Knicks beat in the playoffs already. Not just one guy who the Knicks are neck and neck in the standings with and they haven't even had their whole squad on the floor yet. Stop comparing the, the names that would have been in that deal for one guy, the complete roster that the Knicks are at least looking like they've put together in lieu of making that move and still have all their picks. It's disingenuous. The Knicks played those guys last year and and I'm not going to say they built their value to trade them, but by playing them, their value was built. Way more than it was the year before. So if the Knicks would have made that deal, Ainge would have been like a conquering hero. Ainge just essentially moved Agbaji, who he got from the Cavs in that deal, who was like, it was their first round pick. He got that, he got him in that deal. He's, he just moved him in Olenek for a 2024 draft pick. That, to be honest with you, is I know some people give him kudos, but it's not even that great a pick. So you don't like him, that's cool, that's fine. You don't like him. You'd rather have a draft pick than have him. Okay, but you like Olenek, right? So you basically move one of the pieces you got from the Cavaliers and Kelly Olenek for a draft pick and a draft that not everybody loves and values. It's not a bad move. But riddle me this, which one of those Knicks, maybe Obi Toppin, which one of those Knicks do you think he would be packaging alongside Kelly Olenek for a 2024 draft pick? Grimes, R.J. Barrett, based on the way R.J. Barrett's playing right now? IQ, which one of those guys would he just be packaging? Let's be honest with ourselves. Which one? That's what, come on now. Those guys were undervalued in that trade. It's not even an argument. And you keep bringing them up like we didn't extract more value from them in these other trades. But I will argue, I will acknowledge the point that all of the Knicks draft picks are now gone. Obi Toppin and RJ Barrett were the two lottery picks. RJ aside, because he's playing well in Toronto, we're not going to nitpick. Uh, Obi Toppin was a mistake pick. Uh, there's no other way around it. You know, you excited about alley-oops and open three-pointers? Guy whose defense so bad, it's hard to keep him on the floor? Good for you. That's not a lottery pick. You want to pick on that pick? You want to criticize the Knicks for that pick? No problem. But the other picks the Knicks made later on in the draft? Deuce McBride, Quentin Grimes, IQ. They hit home runs with those picks. No, they weren't grand slams. They weren't, you know, Donovan Mitchells. He was drafted a little bit earlier than those guys, but still. They weren't those guys, but they they drafted late 20, early 20s, late teens, and got developed these guys into the players that they are. Developed them into players where there's a segment of Nick fans 
still lamenting the fact that they're gone. That's good drafting. That's good developing. If you think R.J. Barrett just showed up in Toronto and played well just because the air up there is different? Some of you are still arguing that IQ is playing lights out. If you believe that, what do you think he just showed up and the coach just said five words to him and all of a sudden he started playing amazing? No, these guys were developed here. They were developed here. Those draft picks were not supposed to be great players. The Knicks made them into very good NBA rotation players at the very least. They were developed here. Now, if you can't credit that while you're making the argument that you are sad and disappointed that the Knicks have given up on them and they're going to be awesome in other places, then you're not making sense. If they're going to be awesome in other places, it's because they were developed here. The Knicks developed those young players, and I will go out on a limb to say they will develop young players in the future. The Knicks took those assets, they groomed them, and then they moved on. Because you know what? You can't pay these guys because you're, you know, because of the novelty of having your own draft pick or because these are homegrown. You can't pay these guys, overpay these guys. Because you're not going to win chips that way. You have to pay proven commodities. You have to have smart contracts. And you know what contracts are not going to be smart? A big Obi Toppin contract. A, a $25 million per year IQ contract. Not going to be smart. Not going to be smart. You know, Grimes is going to be extension eligible. I don't have any problem extending Grimes. I think Grimes, you know, I you know I like Grimes, etc. But you can't commit to a guy... Keep committing to a guy who you whose floor you don't know where it is. You can't find it every night. So these players, they're good players, they're solid players. They have value, and the Knicks use them to move on. Are the Knicks an older team now? Do they not have a young core? I need you to focus on what's in front of you right now. What's in front of you right now is a playoff run where the Knicks can make some noise. They can't afford to have floors they can't find in the rotation they need to know where everyone's floor is and know that they're going to bring it every single night so that they can maximize their their potential right now because you cannot look three years in the future and say iq is going to be an all-star grind is going to be an all-star rj is going to be an all-star you can't do both you need to know what you have right now on the floor and right now the knicks have added a guy in Bogdanovich who has been lighting this league up for a few years now. You know exactly what he's going to give you. And in a, a situation where you have no Randall and no OG in that front court, you know you're going to get some points from this guy. You know you're going to get some scoring from this guy. You know exactly what he can do. And he can replace a lot of the points that, are, that Randall gives you. He's not going to be as explosive. He's not going to do it the same way. He's not going to be an all-NBA player. But instead of having all of that weight on, on Jalen Brunson every night, you now have a Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich who can give you a lot of those efficient points that Randall gave you and give him a break. Now you have an Alec Burks whose floor you know what it is. You know how he gets to the basket. You know how he gets his shots. You know he can run the offense for short times, short spurts. You're seeing Dante DiVincenzo play like a maniac right now. And you need all of these guys right now for this run. And then when the offseason comes, because you didn't make that Donovan deal, 
you now have a strong roster that's flexible, that's not hamstrung by being under this, uh, being over the second apron and salary cap wise. You have your draft picks. You can still go after a guy the caliber of a Donovan Mitchell or a Donovan Mitchell himself if it's going to come down to it. I don't know who that person is. I don't know if that person's going to be available. I don't know. I have no idea. It might be another swing and a miss this summer. But right now, as we speak, the Knicks have as strong a roster as anyone in this Eastern Conference. And the only reason why Boston is better is because you think Jason Tatum is a better superstar than Jalen Brunson is. But Jalen Brunson has put up every number that Jason Tatum has put up. He's played just as well, absolutely better than him in the clutch. Will that be the same in the playoffs? Who knows? But this narrative that Jalen Brunson is always going to be the second best player on the floor. How many times has the best player on the floor lost? How many times? How many times has Steph Curry been the best player on the, on the floor? Did they win last year? Like, can you want to go down the line? MB was the MVP. What did he do last year? Was he the best player on the floor? Just being the best player on the floor doesn't mean you're going to win the game. That's a stupid narrative. It's a stupid point. People talking about, oh, you know, you know, small players don't win championships. You know, it's just a couple outliers, Steph Curry and Isaiah Thomas. Okay, how many times has the best player not won a playoff series? That's happened a zillion times. So is is that your your measuring stick? This is a strong roster, and no, Bogdanovich is not going to have as big a role, big of a role when everybody comes back. That's perfectly fine. He's there if you need him, and he's going to play, and he's going to get you about 15 minutes a night, probably 15, 20 minutes a night of some lights-out shooting. He better, at least. And Alec Brooks is not always going to be awesome, but you know what? Now you have somebody instead of Josh Hart, who's, you know, hit or miss sometimes initiating that offense. Now you have somebody else who can knock down their three, high screen and roll. You go underneath, he's going to shoot it. He can post you up, turn around and shoot it. The Knicks don't have any more scoring problems, and they haven't sacrificed defense. And if you think Bogdanovich isn't a great defender, that's perfectly fine because he's not going to be the power forward in the playoffs unless Julius Randle falls off a cliff. And if his defense is really hurting you in the playoffs, you can always play OG at power forward and move Burks down and Hart down and Dante down. This team is ready to rock. The only problem is whether or not they're going to be healthy. If they check that healthy box, this is going to fall on Tibbs. I saw a news story today that Tibbs' contract extension is is on the table. Then, you know, they might listen. I'm not a Tibbs hater. Tibbs has done a great job. But I'm holding off on that contract extension right now because I want to know, do you know how to use these parts? And I'm not one of these guys that Tibbs doesn't use his bench. He needs to play Jacob Toppin and he doesn't use Taj Gibson in a great way. I'm not one of these guys. But the truth is, he gets married to guys. I called Brian Scalabrini and Frank Gasol on their radio show today just to bring up the point that I didn't like the Bruce Brown trade. Because I thought Tibbs needed to be protected from himself. He's going to play him and Hart together at the same time. And it's going to hurt the team. Scalabrini disagreed with me. He gave, gave me all the different ways you can use Bruce, Bruce Brown. And I'm sure he was right. You could use him all those ways. I'm saying that he wasn't going to be used all those ways. And Josh Hart and Bruce Brown on the floor at the same time were going to be playing alongside 
Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, when they're getting double teamed, they're going to need to knock shots down and it wasn't going to happen. Well, that's not the case with this move. That's not the case with this move. And it's another thing. Uh, Troy Weaver is getting ripped apart for his trade deadline moves, getting torn to shreds. I'm going to tell you something right now. The, the price on Bogdanovich the last couple of years has been high. And people have been calling about Bogdanovich for two years now. You don't think if he could have gotten more for Bogdanovich, he would have done it? What do you think he's turning down better pit and better offers? Huh? You think he's turning down better offers? The price on Bogdanovich has been high for a minute. All reports. Oh, they want so much for Bogdanovich. They don't want to move him. First round pick, first round pick, high first round pick, two first round picks. I've seen so many things over the years. They wanted first round picks for Alec Burks last year. I know that for a fact. You don't think if those offers were on the table, they would have taken them? You don't think so? This was the best offer. And let me tell you something. You're not trading first round pick for Alec Burks. It's not going to happen. Alex Burks is probably worth two seconds. That's probably his, the max his worth is. The question is Bogdanovich, who has a year remaining on his deal, is not fully guaranteed. It's a great contract, and he gives you great production for, the, for what the contract is. So is he worth the first-round pick? Yes, but they didn't get a first-round pick. They got better than a first-round pick. They got Grimes. He is better than a first-round draft pick. Sure. Is he better than a lottery pick? No, but that's not what's being traded. Most of these picks are lottery protected, especially for a guy like Bogdanovich. They're going to be lottery protected. It's not going to be a lottery pick. It's probably it's probably going to be a pick. Depending on what the pick is, it might be a late 20s pick, an early 20s pick, a late teens pick. It doesn't people think first round draft pick. They think. Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant, <laughs> they, they're not thinking, oh, this could be the 25th pick in the draft. They're not thinking like that. Grimes is better than any pick that's below the 15th pick in the draft, I would say. Any pick, and you could probably argue higher than that because you still don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what you're going to get in most lotteries, but he's better without debate, better than anything other than a lottery pick, probably. So to say they didn't get a pick is like, well, they kind of did get a pick. They got Quentin Grimes. I think people, once again, you know, Grimes has not played great, but he hasn't played great because he's not playing a ton of minutes. He doesn't have to be a superstar. He's going to fit in perfectly, perfectly with Detroit. He gets an up, in theory, he gets an opportunity to play 25, 30 minutes a night, he's going to get a chance to take shots, make shots. He's going to get a chance to go to the basket. They have a – he fits with their timeline. This is a, that's a good get – listen, I'm not saying every trade they made was a home run. I'm saying don't get twisted what you, what you think that they should have got from Bogdanovich and what reality was. If that was available, they would have gotten it. This was like a one draft pick deal. And instead of getting a draft pick, they got Grimes. It wasn't a bad deal. And Grimes is going to be good. He's going to be solid. I'm not saying he's going to be all-star. He's going to be solid. And Detroit's going to be happy with Grimes. So you need to lay off Troy Weaver just a little bit because the idea 
that they would have gotten Grimes and a first round draft pick is nutty. You weren't getting two first round draft picks for uh, Alec Burks and Bogdanovich. You were not. That's not what that's not what was happening. All right. And Grimes in a pick is two first round draft picks, essentially in value. But like I said, you guys are a little too hung up on holding on to these young players because you can't pay. They weren't good enough to pay them all and be a championship team. They just weren't. And I can see I can see a narrative that suggests, okay, Bogdanovich and Burks, they may not be here past this year. So it's like a rental. I think in all reality, Bogdanovich, for the most part, is going to get turned into something else. He's either going to stay here for another season or he's going to get turned into something else through a trade. And that's the way you have to look at it. Yes, if Bogdanovich just walks away, then yeah, it would have been a failed transaction. But the Knicks are swinging for the fences right now. You guys got to stop looking at this like the Knicks have forever to chase this dream. They don't. There's an opportunity right now. You take it. You take it. And this is taking it. And even if you don't love the deal, tell me the deal that you wanted to make. If you if you try to tell me that there was any deal made today that you wanted to make that was going to make the Knicks better, that that guys like Zach Lowe and Tim Bontemps and and Wynn Horst and anybody anybody who watches this league is going to look at it, evaluate it, look at your roster and look at the rest of the Eastern Conference and say, yeah, they got a chance to get out of Eastern Conference. You tell me what that deal was that and it was made today. Don't tell me about the guy who wasn't traded. Tell me, tell me about the guy who was. I'm waiting. Nah, you don't got it. This is this year they have a chance. You maximize this chance. This maximizes the chance. Now, to me, outside of health, and I'm not talking about right now, the health right now. I don't, I, in other words, I'm not saying that Tibbs has to be held responsible for all of these injuries on the team right now. And I've seen somebody try to blame it on Tibbs. Hartenstein came to the Knicks with this Achilles injury. Okay. He came to the Knicks with this Achilles injury. I'm going to take a page out of Derrick Rose's book. Derrick Rose is like, yo, y'all tripping over 40 minute games. We're playing all the time. <laughs> like we're playing basketball all the time in the off season people are playing basketball. I think Derek said he doesn't play off basketball in offseason anymore. But in the offseason, people are playing basketball. There's practice. There's shoot-arounds. There's any number of activities, physical activities that basketball players have to go through. That 40 minutes in the game is not really the biggest deal, right? That's not how the body works. You can't sit down and play people 25 minutes a night and think in the playoffs they're going to be playing 40. Some of you fools are going to be like, play Deuce McBride more minutes in the playoffs. No, the hell, you shouldn't. It's going to be Brunson for 40 minutes. Everybody who's the best player on this, who's a good, effective player on this team, should be playing 40 minutes in the playoffs. Let's not take chances, all right? You play guys' spot minutes, they play well, you roll the dice. The rest of those minutes are going to the best players. That's how you win these games, all right? That's how you win playoff games. That's the way, that's, the way that's done, right? So if you have not done that all year, then you're not going to be ready to do it when it matters. 
Does that mean that they need to do it every single night? No, they're not doing it every single night. They're doing it every single night because of the injuries right now. But throughout the season, they do not average more minutes than anybody else in the league. As a matter of fact, I think Kawhi Leonard averages as many minutes as Julius Randle does. So it is a false narrative. However, with that said, during the social stretch of time, with everyone injured and all these injuries mounting up, it doesn't make sense to beat Jalen Brunson into the ground. You have to give him a break because the wear and tear on what he, based on his gameplay, is going to catch up to him. So, no, not 40 minutes, but yes, 35, 36. And now with this trade, that should be okay. The Knicks knew the Knicks OG was having a surgery during this trade deadline. They kept that under wraps. They were slick about it. They didn't want teams to, to use that against them to try to raise the price. Slick, slick, slick. We've also seen Ian Begley report that they went after Bogdanovich because of the OG injury. And I mentioned this with the Randall injury, that the Knicks might start changing who they're targeting because of the Randall injury. Now, with Randall and OG out, they definitely did. But they didn't go after some Rudy Pooh backup power forward. They went after a real-time scorer, and you got to give them credit for it. you got to give them credit for it. They still have, they still sit pretty during this offseason to get the guy that they're really, really after. But you know what? Maybe they don't need that guy. Maybe they got that guy. Because the one thing that I'm happy about, the one thing that didn't happen, at least I don't think it happened, we'll see how it goes with Alec Burks, is Dante DiVincenzo. This dude is killing it. How long does he have to do this before we start taking him seriously? Is Tibbs taking him seriously? I'm not saying he isn't. He clearly is so far. But when everybody is back, is Dante DiVincenzo just going to be sitting in, in the behind the three-point line? Or is he going to be allowed to get loose out there? This team is ready to rock, man. I'm telling you. Got to get through this stretch. These injuries, though. Got to get through this stretch. Make sure you check out at Sports Ethos on Twitter. Find all of the follows, the Sports Ethos follows, the teams, the fantasy, the betting. Find them, especially the fantasy after the trade deadline. A lot of guys moved around, a lot of guys that can help rosters if you're focused on it. Even if you're like me and you're busy, and you got things to do, you got a lot of things on your on your plate, you go listen to a fantasy podcast at Sports Ethos, man. You check that out, and they'll lay it out for you, let you know what you got to do. Make it easy for yourself. Make some money. At Ethos Knicks, there's never been a time in my life as a Knicks fan where the Knicks on paper looked like they were stacked. Then they make the OG trade. I thought they had a chance to beat anybody based on the way they were playing. You statistically, you can't even argue it. But then they got stronger. They're even stronger now. They're even stronger now. Once this team is healthy, if they get a month to play together, get their act together, there's literally no excuses. I'll have no excuses for them. That doesn't mean that they're going to run through everybody, but I have no excuses for them. That a healthy Knicks squad goes in that playoffs. If they don't get 
to the Eastern Conference Finals. They got to get out of the first round. And the second round depends on the matchups. If they have to play Boston in the second round, then the jig is up. But if they play anybody else in that second round, it's on them. It's on them. It's on them. No excuses. Until next time.